Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. And, and you won't be disappointed. So as is the tradition of the house, will you please stand with us this morning for the reading of God's word? And we're going to be continuing our series. It's not over, we're just getting started. And we're going to read out of Daniel chapter one. We're reading verses one to eight. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, <laughs> sorry, Jesus, forgive me. <laughs> How do you say his name? <laughs> I have no idea. No, Jehoiakim. There you go. King of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, thank you, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. That's why I don't know his name, because he was naughty. (laughs) That's good theology. Then the king ordered Ashpazah, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service. (laughs) This is so bad. Some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile defile himself this way. Amen. God bless the reading of his word, and let's hear the message. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's not over. We're just getting started. That's the testimony of each one of us who has found you as Savior. And Lord, pray, Lord, that your word would resonate in every life, every life, Lord. Something would shift inside of us, maybe confirmation of something that we have known or a reminder of something we've forgotten or that you would instruct us in some new way. But let us be, Lord, not just hearers, but committed doers, Lord, that we would with sensitive ears consider how we might live out your word we do this lord because we love you we do this because we trust you we do this because we owe you we owe you everything and to you be all the honor and glory in jesus name thrive family said amen you may be seated today Excited to present God's word, excited about this uh, uh, series that Pastor Chris has felt led to uh, lead us together um, in to start uh, the, the year. And as I was thinking about it, just motivated as I listened to Pastor Chris 
preach and inspired as I heard uh, Pastor Roger speak last week. Uh, both messages just so rich and profound. I got all excited. These young preachers. I'm, I'm going to preach young too. So I had to put on some tennis shoes. As I was getting ready for the message, I thought, you know, I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. Uh, it's not over. I go, oh, no, they already preached on that. I can preach on it's getting, it's just getting started. But then I thought, you know what? I'm more pastor than revivalist. Uh, pastor Roger did great last week. Really, really good. But I'm more pastor. And so you know what the Lord told me to do? He told me to talk about the dots. If we could put the theme up there. Can you put that theme up there again? Bada bing. Well, anyways, in the series, it's called, it, it says, it says, it's not over, dot, dot, dot. Say that with me, dot, dot, dot. Just getting started. Did you know that? That's the official theme. The dots are in there. I think I'll talk about the dots. You never saw that coming. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk about the dots because the dots where you come in. It's not over has nothing to do with you. New beginnings have nothing to do with you. Being resurrected from the dead has nothing to do with you. Having a fresh start has nothing to do with you. The breakthrough has nothing to do with you. That's all God. But we engage God in the dots. It would be, it'd be so great to know what was Lazarus going through in the tomb. We heard he died, and then we see him jumping out. What happened for those days in there? What would that have been like? Jonah swallowed by a whale, then spit up. On the beach, then he goes to Nineveh, looking, looking a mess and smelling worse, <laughs> being in the belly of a fish for so long. But the transformation, the decision-making, the interaction, the commitment, the skin in the game, your testing, your trials happen in the dots. That's where you and I disciple. That's where you and I grind. That's where you and I march. That's where the obedience is. The healing, it ain't over, Jesus says. Just getting started is a celebration. But the, the turning over, surrendering over of oneself completely happens in the middle. That's where you and I live this out. It's just a regular Tuesday with 900 emails. It's just a regular Thursday when the kids didn't do their chores. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Preach it so my kids can hear it. It's just your regular disappointing news. It's that pain that doesn't go away. It's that waiting for the miracle. That's where you and I live it out. So I want to talk about the in-between because chances are that's where you are. We spend a lot of time in the middle. 
We spend, just so you know, believer, if you're new to this, you spend a lot of time in the waiting room. You ever wait for a baby to be born? Takes forever. Unless, unless, unless it doesn't. That's a whole other story. But you just take forever. You're just waiting. You're like, hurry up, babe. The game's going to start. My marriage ain't over. It's just getting started. <laughs> Spend a lot of time waiting on the Lord and waiting on the Lord and trusting in the Lord. Because you're not writing the story. So important we learn. You're not writing the story. When you get saved, you give him the pen. You make him the author. It's very important that you're surrendered. Otherwise, you're going to try to walk with God and fight with him at the same time. And then you'd be frustrated. And why isn't this working? It's because you haven't given him the pen. And let him write it, write the story of your life. Where he's the Lord, not just the Savior of your life. Are you with me? So we want to talk about this because this is, this is really where we live. This is where we live. And I want to, I want to share with you some, what I think are wisdom principles that we learn from this story of Daniel. We know about Daniel. Most of us know about Daniel in the lion's den. We know, we know where he ends up and we know, we know what happens while he's there. But I want you to see wisdom in the text. I want you to see the real instruction here. And the first thing we see, we recognize if we're paying attention, is that Daniel makes up his mind before he's ever in trouble. He makes up his mind. If we go back to verse, uh, well, just verse 8, it says, but Daniel resolved, in other translations that says made up his mind, not to defile himself by eating what they had offered him. At the very hint of compromise, Daniel makes a decision. Hear that. At the very hint of, at the very, the, the, the very smell of it, with the very appearance of evil, before he can get burned, he just feels it start to get a little warm. Are you following me? He makes up his mind. You can't wait till you're in the den of lions to make up your mind. By then it's too late. You're going to freak out. You're going to scramble. You're going to pay more than you should. You're going to get into debt like you shouldn't. You're going to break off a relationship that you shouldn't. You're going to quit a job before you should because you're making up your mind too late. You have to make up your mind early. This is how you handle the dots. This is how you handle the waiting. This is how you handle the difficulty. Is you make up your mind before you're ever in real trouble. Make up your mind early. Make up your mind today. Make up your mind before you leave the room. Some of you already got Issues that are starting to encroach on you. Mindsets, ideas, temptations, issues, potential compromises that might be waiting for you tomorrow. So make up your mind today. The battle happens in your mind. 
Your heart wants to do the right thing, so why do we sometimes not? It's not that your heart changed, it's that your mind didn't follow your heart. You know you can't do anything without your mind? Your mind, before you say anything, your mind decides. Your mind is the engine. Your mind makes you go. You can't walk without your mind. You can't speak without your mind first, just so you know. You, this might be news to someone, breaking news. You can't even feel something without thinking first. Someone hurts your feelings, you first thought, they hurt my feelings. What am I going to do? They were mean. What am I going to do about it? I'm going to be hurt. Someone cut me off on the highway. What am I going to do? I'm going to say they're number one. You can't tell them they're number one without your mind. You can't get angry without your mind making a decision. This is how I'm going to respond. That's just the truth. Like a psychological, scientific truth. You might say, I can't, I can't control my feelings. Yeah, you can. To a large degree, you can. You can decide, I'm going to choose this offense into an opportunity for me to learn how to forgive. I'm going to choose this moment where I can choose anger and decide. Someone say decide. decide. Someone say with attitude, decide. decide. Sounds like west side. <laughs> Some of you are like east side. That came out way too natural. Decide. <laughs> I haven't been up here for a month, so get ready. Decide. I'm going to decide what I'm going to do with this right here. Daniel decided before it got rough to make the right commitment. Now, you might say, oh, Pastor, this, this is, you know, it's kind of silly you're saying it because, of course, I'm going to get mad. I, you know, someone really hurt me. Of course, I'm going to be angry. Well, the, the thing is this. What we, what we want to do here when we gather in the teaching of the scriptures, what we're doing is teaching you something that maybe you don't know or you've forgotten. It isn't this idea of just pretending like it doesn't hurt. And it's not just pretending that you were not really trespassed against. Because that would be delusional. We don't want a room full of delusional people. People who want to do this spiritual life without community, by the way, without like the group yeah. idea, without people, they want to do it on their own, they get delusional. Yeah. They think they hear God and it ain't God. Yeah. Some of them might say, well, God just gave it to me. That wasn't God. Give it back. <laughs> Send it back. That wasn't God. We're not talking about being delusional. No. When we say... Lord, I'm going to choose to think about this the way you want me to. It's because we believe the entirety of Scripture. That God is in control. That God turns our mourning into dancing. 
We believe that he's always up to something redemptive in our lives. That if we don't get the job and it really doesn't matter, it really doesn't matter why we didn't get it. It really doesn't matter just because it was nepotism or it was they don't like me or they're racist, whatever. All of that could be real and true. But you are not a victim of our society. You are a child of God. You're a son and a daughter of God. And we need to give them glory. And we need to make up our mind because if someone has an issue with you that is unjust and it is evil from the pit, the devil ain't won one battle yet that God was involved with. You don't think he can't raise you up and make those haters something? <laughs> Disappoint those. He can do whatever he wants to do with you. And that's the truth. That is reality also. Are you following me? I'm trying to get you to connect these dots. So Daniel makes up his mind because he believes what he's learned about Jehovah from his parents and his grandparents. And although things are rough and bleak and they're in exile, they're not even home anymore. They're in captivity he still believes that his God is bigger. He ain't at Disneyland in this story. He's been taken, he's in captive. He's a, basically a slave. He still believes his God is able. What? That's the kind of determination we have to have. I might be in a bleak situation that seems completely unjust, downright evil, but my God reigns. So I'm going to decide, I'm going to decide from whatever west side or east side you might live in, I'm going to decide what I'm going to do. Make up your mind early. Someone say early. Why don't you just make it up now? Make it up. Make your, your decision now. Number two, look at, look at uh, verse three, actually. It says, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were not able to do so. They could find no corruption. Can you read that with me? They could find no what? I love that. Read it again. They could find no where? Come on. That's got to be us. They can find no corruption in us because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor lazy, negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. Uh, read it with me. Unless it has something to do with the law. Okay. I'm going to tell you something Jesus said so I know I'm right. Second thing you need to know is sometimes your life will be harder just because you're devoted to God. I'm just letting you know. This is not Burger King. You can have it your way. No, sometimes you're going to get onions. Sometimes you're going to want, she's, I grew up learning, she's, 
una hamburguesa con cheese. Sometimes you're going to want cheese and there ain't no cheese. You can't have it your way. <laughs> we don't become Christians because we get it our way. Because your way made yourself a hot mess. Why would you want, why would you want it your way now? For real. Oh God, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Would you save me? Yes. Okay, God, now can I have everything I want? No. Because I don't always want the right things. Right? So sometimes your life will be harder just because you're devoted to God. I want you to know as your pastor. Expect it. It's coming probably tomorrow. Maybe by four, by 4.30 this afternoon for you guys. Relax, it's just a game. I want you to expect it. I want you to accept it. And know that God is in it. I want you to know that God is in it. You know, if you read, when, when Jesus was, went to the desert to be tempted by the devil, he was carried there by the Spirit. Jesus said, if they... If they came against me, they're going to come against you. You just got to, you got to know it's coming. You got to expect it or else you get knocked sideways and wonder if God is real all over again. You got to accept it or else you're going to get resentment against God. But you got to know God is with you so you keep your head and you keep your cool. And you learn to wait in the dots. It's critical to our, our walk. And pastors have not graduated from the waiting. We live it with you. I'm talking to you from experience. I feel like the Apostle Paul when he told the church of Galatia, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. I... <laughs> Sister, it wasn't a joke. <laughs> but I appreciate your heart. Yeah, no. I, bear, I, I have my own scars. You can't do this without some scars. You're totally healed when you get to heaven. Until then, he writes his story on your body. He writes his story on your life. He writes his story on your inheritance. He writes his story on your victories. And he writes his story in your valleys. Get with the program because it's harder to not understand that. We just, we just got to acknowledge it. Are you still with me? God, God is in it. And, and, and I got to just tell you, for the one who might be confused, gosh, I thought this was like, you know, church and Jesus is all happy, happy. It's, it's so good, but it's not good like the world. That's the thing. It's not good like the world. The world will sell you like a good night or a good few hours or, you know, the, the, the thrill of that new car smell. Then what happens? The baby spills the milk and no one wants to go with you. But that's what the world gives you. And everything, someone say everything. Everything the world gives you gets Less value, less value, falls apart, 
second law of thermodynamics, everything is falling apart. But what we get with God is eternal. It never rusts or fades. Are you with me? You're following me in the dots. So it's, it's worth it. See? It's worth it there. And, and the alternative. When we accept Christ, we also accept a mission. We accept an identity. We accept a calling. It, maybe our whole lives we wanted to be a basketball player. We wanted to be a professional football player. We wanted to be a millionaire. Whatever it was. But when we accept Christ, it's now his agenda, not ours. And, and, and with that comes incredible privilege and intimacy with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We experience the washing of our sin away. We, we know what it means to have our burdens lifted. It's beautiful. But he gets to write the story. And so the new calling, the new measure of significance, the new identity is not with our old dreams, but with new dreams that are his dreams. And ultimately, it means that we have lived a life with ultimate meaning. To live a life that is a living sacrifice that burns in the night of our society. Where someone looking for hope sees your smile. Someone looking for love feels your acceptance. Someone looking for hope hears you quote scripture. That's the ultimate meaning of life. That you and I would be, would be ignited like a signal fire to the reality, the love, the commitment, the faithfulness of God. So that others might also know him like you know him and burn the way you burn so that their families and loved ones might know him. This is the ultimate of meeting. That's it. That's what it is. It's to live for his glory. It's worth it. It's worth it in the dots. It's worth it when he doesn't answer your prayers so that you can show faithfulness under great duress. It's worth it when he doesn't heal you because you show commitment in your pain that you don't live for this but you live for him and for what he gives you for eternity this is the dots this is life in the dots and it's worth it it's not just you know burden for no reason that's ultimately what the world offers but this is perhaps burden struggle a cross right a cross with ultimate meaning In verses, I'm sorry, in verses, in verse 10, it says this. Now, when Daniel learned the decree, that the decree had been published, he went home, someone say went home, to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So for those who don't know the story, the people that were against Daniel set a trap. They said, we can't get him unless we have something to do with his God. So they made, they fooled Darius and told him, King Darius told him to, to, to uh, make a decree that no one could pray to anyone except him. And what does Daniel do? Well, he goes home and he prays. This is what he does. 
in the docks. Okay? I want you to get this. I'm going to do this quickly, but I want you to get it. See, we have to work the plan. And the plan is, I think I have that. The, the plan is this. Read it with me. Say, go home. Go home. Look to God. Be consistent, Be consistent. Pray, pray, and give thanks. Say it again. Go home. Look to God. Be consistent. Pray, and give thanks. See, y'all got to go home. Y'all got to go home. You can't run to the noise, the distraction of a noisy room. Daniel goes home. This is where we live our faith the most sincerely is in our home. It's all fine. Y'all look good in your 49er gear at church. I got my skinny clothes on because black hides it. I'm just wearing black all the time. We put on, we get ready for church, but I got to tell you, y'all got to go home and do this. Sometimes we run around when God says, I want to meet you at home. You got to do this at home. You got to go home. You got to go home and you got to look to God. See, Daniel looks to Yerushalayim, Jerusalem in Hebrew, Yerushalayim. He looks to a city. Oh, watch this. Remember, he's in Babylon in captivity. He looks to a city that has been razed. It's destroyed. The temple is destroyed. He looks to God. Jerusalem was the, is the city of God, the city of David. Jerusalem is Zion. And Daniel looks to Jerusalem. He looks at the direction because the place symbolizes God. God's not dependent on Jerusalem, obviously, or else Daniel would have been like, I can't look there because that city has been destroyed. Daniel understood that it didn't matter what the city looked like. It symbolized the true and living God. The true and living God. We, got, we have to look to God. We have to look to God. You got to set your eyes on him. You got to look to God at home. Don't look. I know I like to watch TV and, you know, sports are cool. But, man, you know, sometimes I have found myself just looking to get distracted. I'm stressed out. What can I watch? So I can lose myself for a couple of hours. You know what? That, you know, I'm not saying that that's wrong, but you can't live there. You got to turn off the TV and just rest in the silence. When you get up real early, you just sit there. You look to God. Look to God. Look to God. Don't go to the bar and look at your homie. Go home and look to God. Because your friend means well. Be like, oh, yeah, yeah, just leave. No, no, don't listen to them. They mean well. They ain't bad people. They just got bad advice. Go home. Look to God. And be consistent. Someone say consistent. 
Now, I know this is not like, you know, you know, it's not like, doesn't make you all like, you know, excited with goosebumps. But let me tell you, be consistent so your kids know how to behave. Because if you're inconsistent, your kids don't know how to act. If you act one way on Sunday and one way on Tuesday, they don't know what to do. Be consistent. Three times a day he prayed. Three times a day. Three times a day. Uh, there were spiritual offices that were in incorporated. Times of prayer for, for the early church, for the early believers. It's this idea of consistently. Someone say be consistent. Just be consistent. In the dots, be consistent. Can I just tell you that you're not always going to feel like it. But you got to do it. Someone say, work the plan. Work the plan. It, it, it's like if you want, you know, I, I, I know that if I want to lose weight, I have to eat less and exercise. That's it. <laughs> eat less and exercise. I've tried. <laughs> and the truth is, you can eat. Okay, check it out. Are you with me? Okay. Go Niners. Just listen, pay attention. I'm almost there. You can, you can eat right and exercise and not see nothing for like a month and a half. But you got to know it's working. Because if any of you have ever done that, you know it is working. And it, it, it ain't that, you know, the, the diet's fault that you've been eating cupcakes for 14 years. It's, it's going to take some time. It's, can I get a witness? Y'all blaming the diet? It ain't the diet's fault. You're like, this don't work, this don't work. Yes, it does. It's not the dumbbell's fault. I like pizza. All the time. It ain't the dumbbell's fault. You got to know the plan works. Can I just tell you, go home, look to God, consistently pray works. This whole life of devotion works. It works. You got to be consistent. Someone say Pray. You gotta pray. You gotta pray. You gotta consult with God. You have to be in his presence. Daniel, his emotions, if he's like me, or if I'm anything like him at all, I know what it's like in, in one 20 minutes of prayer, my heart goes from thrilling, being thrilled to being scared again. doesn't matter which way the pendulum is swinging in your emotions. You're talking to the right one. You've gone to the right one. Your emotions can be all over the place, but rest assured, you've gone to the right one. You've gone to the one who can heal. You've gone to the one who can provide. You've gone to the one who can make a way where there was no way. I am convinced, I'm going to end with this. I'm convinced that as Daniel ended up in the lion's den, and let me just tell you, he goes in the lion's den, and they don't eat him. He comes out just fine. But can I tell you that God has delivered you from lions you didn't even know were there. He's delivered you from lions. You didn't know they were prowling around your workplace. They're prowling around your neighborhood. They're prowling around where you go to shop. They're prowling around your family. And you didn't even know they were there. And he shut them up so they wouldn't touch you.
So let me just tell you, before this, you're faced with the six lions in a particular den, he's done smited 6,000 lions you didn't even know were hunting you. He's got this. He's with you. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.